A salary is the drug they give you when they want you to forget about your dreams. Welcome to the Corporate Dropout Podcast. I'm your host, Alessia Citro. After a successful career in tech, suffering from burnout, stress, and anxiety, I walked away from a multiple six-figure career to chase my passions and purpose as a coach and entrepreneur. This show is going to inspire, equip, and empower you to do the same. Let's get it. As a former Salesforce employee, I can tell you with confidence that every successful business uses a CRM tool. Why should yours be any different? Whether you're an entrepreneur, network marketer, or realtor, you need a way to keep track of your outreach to team members, prospects, and customers. Enter the 90-Day Habits Journal. Created by top network marketing leaders, the 90-Day Cycle to New Habits Journal is a great way to cultivate a winning mindset each day and track your activity. What you track grows, so start tracking what matters in your life and business. Get your copy at 90dayhabits.co and use code CITRO, that's C-I-T-R-O, for 10% off. Hello, friends. Today, I'm interviewing Lauren Golden, founder of the Free Mama Movement. She loves helping mamas free themselves from the nine to five grind, something we have in common. (laughs) She launched the Free Mama Movement to show working moms that they don't have to choose between family and financial stability. And today, as the fearless leader of the Free Mama Movement and a thriving community of tens of thousands of women, Lauren is passionate about showing other moms how to start and run a successful freelancing business from home and her number one international best-selling book, The Free Mama, How to Work From Home, control your schedule and make more money. And in there, she shares her own story that along with plenty of practical advice for anyone looking to leave the nine to five behind and make a real living from home with lots of great stories in between. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. This feels like a reunion. I know. Yeah. We got to tell the listeners off the cuff. Lauren and I go way back. You're. I'm trying to think if I have other friends from college that are as successful as you. Not a lot are coming to mind. There might be a couple, but you're way up there. Well, woo, no pressure. No pressure. That's yeah, no funny. pressure. Yeah, we met we met either freshman or sophomore year. I feel like I knew you through most of my collegiate career. We were in sort of competing sororities uh, for, for top title stuff, which now sounds very so funny, ridiculous. but felt like a very big deal in our late teens, early 20s. But we kind of uh, hung in some similar crowds and would always see each other out. And I always thought you were great. So it's awesome Aww. to be reconnected now in a more grown-up environment. <laughs> yes, yes. I couldn't agree more. And I shared this with you and we spoke a few weeks ago, but it was one of your videos that I just happened to see on Facebook. I'm like never on Facebook. And I happened to see this one. It was about leaving your corporate job. This is when I was still at Salesforce. And I was like, oh my God, like I want to do that. I want to spend more time with my baby. So it's just so full circle now interviewing you on the corporate dropout podcast that you, you kind of kicked this off in, in a way. So since it's the corporate dropout podcast, I love to start off every interview by going back in time. Like let's talk about the professional career because the people that listen to this show, they're either current corporate dropouts or they want to be. And I think understanding the path and the professional career that people have had that have come on the show and, you know, successfully dropped out to become an entrepreneur is really helpful. So take us through that. Like what has your professional career been yeah. like and how did you end up where you are today? Um, you know, total cliche, but hindsight's twenty twenty, And I'm so grateful for a lot of those early experiences right after my days at USD because uh, they 
I think definitely prepared me. All of them, you know, were those breadcrumbs leading to where I am today. Uh, but I got a really awesome dose of failure uh, not long after graduation. In fact, less than two months after graduation. And as someone like a lot of the students, I think, who attended the University of San Diego, I was a high achiever. I had always gotten really good grades, both in high school, obviously, to get into USD and then in college. Um, I am someone who puts way more pressure on myself than anyone could ever put on me. You know, my parents never had to like, tell me to do my homework or like what, you know, cause I, it, it was all very internally motivated, which I still am today. Um, I did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I don't know that I still totally have that figured out, but I feel pretty in alignment right now. Um, and so I did what I think a lot of, uh, high achieving college students do when they don't know what they want to do. And I applied for teach for America and I got in and it's a very prestigious program. I, we don't have to get too much into that, but uh, I went out to New York City, which is where my long distance boyfriend at the time, now husband, uh, was already w- living and working. And I moved in with him and I went off to an eight week boot camp to learn how to be an educator uh, in the Bronx for the next two years of my life. And about two weeks into the program, I was calling Justin, my now husband, every day crying because I knew that I was not in the right spot. And it was so hard because if you know me, my number one value is follow through. And so I was having, you know, I was less than a month, maybe, maybe six weeks outside of college graduation. And I was all of a sudden faced with my first really hard life choice around, are you going to commit to this thing that you said you were going to do for the next two years that you took someone else's spot to be here? um, Or are you going to trust your gut and make a really difficult phone call uh, that you are going to drop out of the program. And I did not handle it with the same grace and professionalism that I would be able to do today. I was crying hysterically. I was an 18-year-old toddler trying to figure out, or 22, I guess, (laughs) 22-year-old toddler trying to figure out how to be an adult and figure out, you know, how to do hard things. And I did not have the experience of doing something that hard, but but I did the right thing for me. And I actually do tell this story a little bit in my book because um, I think Failure is such a, an interesting word, and my relationship with failure has evolved so much, but I think that was that was the first time in my life where I really would have looked at what happened, and I was like, I failed at this. You know, I said I was going to do it. I didn't do it, and even though I made the right choice, I do still look at that as failure, but I'm so grateful for that experience because it taught me a lot, and it took me to the next thing. Um, so I did not end up teaching for Teach for America. I got a job at a boutique in Manhattan. I felt very sex in the city. In fact, I walked by Carrie Bradshaw's stoop every day on my way to work. Um, and I literally had no idea what I was. Yeah, I had, I, and I was just like, I kind of look back at this time in my life. Again, I was living with my at the time boyfriend and I think I was like playing adult. Like I was, I, I did not feel like a grown up. Um, I was actually making pretty good money because retail in Manhattan, you can earn really great commissions. Um, I had celebrities that came into our boutique, like, but I was playing. Like I very much, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I did not have any direction. Um, my husband ended up getting a job offer that took us to, uh, like the Scottsdale Phoenix area. And I was like, let's, yes, I need a fresh start somewhere. And so we ended up moving there within that first year of being in New York city. Uh, we lived there for two years. We got engaged in Scottsdale, which was great. I worked at a bank, which if you know anything about me, 
The fact that they hired me is very concerning. Um, the fact that I remained employed there is also very concerning. Um, but again, at this point, I don't know that I would define my like, well, first of all, we had not started any sense of a career. We were getting jobs. I did not have a career. I had jobs and there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's people who go through their life just having jobs. Um, but I, it was very unfulfilling for me. It was, it was a paycheck and nothing more. Uh, we ended up, because we got engaged there, we were planning a wedding in Kansas city where we again now reside. Uh, we moved back here. We lived here seven years, had our first two babies here. And like I said, we just came back about a year ago. Um, and when we did so, my husband got a job before we moved, we moved back like a month before we got married. This was 2009. So now I am also aging us. I've been married a really long time. I have three kids. Um, anyway, we, we moved back and my husband already had a job. We moved in my parents' basement because we are awesome millennials like that. And I had to find a job and we were getting ready to get married. We wanted to buy a house. We did have a down payment for a house, but I'm like, I need a job. And so I sat there, Lacey, I'll thank you. I think you'll appreciate this. Um, I, I was sitting there day to day and I'm like online looking for jobs and it wasn't quite the robust search engine that it is today to find jobs, but all of them were crap. I'm like, I know I'm young. I know I don't have a career, but like, I'm smart, darn it. Like, and I'm capable and all of this is just garbage and none of it makes me happy. I think I reached this point where it was very like, I don't need a job. I can go find a job. I want to do something that I can build on. I want to do something I'm going to care about. Like I want to do something that's going to help me grow as a person. I feel like I'm actually going to make an impact on something. And so again, I'm very, very narrow-minded. I'm planning a wedding in Kansas City and I'm like, well, I can like, I am good at that. And so there's like magazine, there's a magazine called Casey Weddings. And I'm literally looking at it and I'm like looking up the publisher info and I send them an email and I'm like, Hey, I think you should hire me. And I don't know what else I said. I should go back in my like old email and see if I can find it. Long story, very short. They, they gave me a job. They hired me and I got into, that's how, that was my segue into the world of social media for job for like in as a business, you know, um, I learned about doing the back end of websites. I did event planning, uh, and then that trickled forward into my very first side hustle, which I don't know if you played the side hustle game, uh, during oh, yeah. a corporate career, but my very oh, first yeah. side hustle was also wedding planning. And I used to plan weddings and that was kind of my like, Thing. And then, and so it, you know, I built on that. I stayed at the Kansas City Star, which, which owned the magazines uh, that I did all the events and marketing for. I was there for a few years. Um, it was, it was a little devil wears Prada, meaning like I had a nightmare of a boss. And if she texted me at midnight, it was like, jump Lauren, jump. And so it was not a great scenario to, to become a working parent. Um, so I actually then came very full circle and went back and worked at the high school that I went to as their marketing and alum coordinator, uh, which is where I worked until the day I became self-employed and never looked back. So long story, but lots of little, like I was a hot mess is the takeaway. Like if you feel like a hot mess or you've just had like jobs and you've had a lack of fulfillment or I don't know, there's just like a lot in there that, that I'm sure someone can resonate with some part of that, but I, I very much felt lost. Um, I'm not someone who's motivated by money. I like money. We can talk about money, um, but I'm very motivated by freedom and I'm very motivated by impact. And I think that was what I kept like, and it wasn't really until I got both of those things, which for me is what self-employment brought me. I don't know that a job can offer anybody both of those things and money if you want to add all three. But for me, that was like the trifecta that ultimately led me 
to start my own business. I wanted freedom. I wanted impact and I wanted money and I wanted to be in control of all of those things. (laughs) And it's pretty hard to be in control of those three things if you're working for someone else. So, um, yeah, Yeah, entrepreneurship suits people like us. Well, I love the story, like long stories with the eclectic background is what I live for. Maybe that's my own bias because (laughs) my background is like super eclectic. I I think it's too, like the time that we graduated, right? Like everything crashed shortly after. And then it was like, yeah, well, shoot, like now, now what do I do? You know? So, um, I, I think that yeah. stories like this give people a lot of hope that do feel lost because now fast forward, I don't want to give too much away because we're going to get to this, but now you have a yeah. seven figure business that you've built. Right. So yeah. So those of you that yeah. are feeling lost, cool. you don't know what you want to be when you grow up, like <laughs> just keep, keep doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Do any yeah. of us. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think I heard the light bulb moment, but was there a light bulb moment where you're like, I cannot do this. I need to be my own boss. It sounded like the devil's devil worst product yep. texting you at midnight might have been it. Mm. <laughs> no, actually, no. I uh, I think if I were wired like my husband, that might have been it because he mm. had a really similar scenario. So my husband and I met in New York City, where we then obviously went back and lived together before we got married in sin. Um, but we we met in a program uh, that we we uh, participated in in college called University of Dreams. And Alicia, I don't know if you remember this, but it was actually a girl in your sorority who came in and she went to all the sororities and told us about it. And I'm like, I want to live in New York City for a summer. So University of Dreams, they've since rebranded and sold owners and all of that. But it was essentially a college internship summer camp is how I like to describe it. Um, And that's how I met my husband. And um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's how I met my husband and we were living there and we're both very driven, obviously, if you attend a program called University of Dreams, very entrepreneurial. But my husband is much more like the visionary. Like he's the guy with a million ideas and zero follow through. And I like to call myself more like the CEO minded entrepreneur where I'm like, if I get the vision or if I get the idea, consider it done. Like I will freaking destroy it. Like it will be done. It will be managed. It will be outsourced. It will be led and it will be delivered flawlessly. Like that's my skill set. Um, and so that actually was not my aha because I do not think I am a natural risk taker. I think I have evolved in my risk tolerance. It has grown substantially through if I'm honest, proving to myself over and over again that I can do hard things. You know, I think the more I achieve, the more I'm like, okay, that was hard, but like I said I was going to do it and I did it. So like, so my risk tolerance has gone up substantially, whereas my husband's was always very high. Um, But I do remember the aha moment. So my, it took us about a year to get pregnant with our oldest who she's now nine. Um, And by the time we, we did get pregnant with her, we never even had a conversation about like if I would stay home or or keep working or whatever, because by this time we owned a house and we are both capable of doing basic math. And we knew that we relied on two incomes. And so we never even talked about what that would look like. Um, and that was really hard for me because I grew up with a stay at home mom, uh, and a dad who owns his own business. So my parents were always very much around for me. And that to me, that was like, that was what good parents did. And so I was very hard on myself with my first kid going back to work. Um, I felt like, 
I was, you know, I felt very guilty. I felt like I was failing her. Um, and it was very hard for me to reconcile because after my maternity leave, when I did go back, I also realized like, I love working. Like I'm very, I've always been very driven, very self-motivated, like I said. And so I had kind of this internal struggle for a really long time trying to reconcile that those two things like were not mutually exclusive, that I could be a good mom and I could have some sort of career, you know, and not quote, just be a mom. Like I I could have something for myself and that, that, that didn't take away from the other thing. Um, it was actually my big aha was when my second kiddo was born Henry and they're exactly two years apart. And when I went back for my, well, I felt it during my maternity leave with him, kind of brewing. But by the time I went back, uh, so Daphne was two, he was a newbie. Um, and I just remember being like, okay, it was hard enough with one kid and like one husband and like a house, but I'm like, now I have two tiny humans who need me and a husband and a house. And like the failure feeling was becoming like all consuming. I was like that, that for me was really when I was like, okay, I believe that I can work and be a good mom. I don't think I can work for someone else and be a good mom. Like it was the the little things, right? It was the sick days. And my husband and I like rock, paper, scissoring, who was going to stay home, except we always knew it was going to be me, you know? And then like, you know, it was those little things of like, uh, I just remember like crying every time I was taking my kids to and from childcare and then going to work. Like I still... I still wear like giant sunglasses just in case I need to cry in the car. Like I do. And I just remember doing it all the time. Like every day I was crying on my way to and from work because it was like this rushing feeling. Like I'm rushing to drop my kids off. I'm rushing to get to work on time. So I'm not the last one there. I'm rushing to pick them up. So I'm not the last mom picking my kids up. I'm rushing to get home because I still have to make dinner and clean them and clean their clothes and like try to get sleep and like I'm not going to lie. At this point in my marriage, my husband was neglected. Like he just, he'll tell you, he's like, I knew I came last. Like I, I knew I came last because everybody else needed you. And I was not even a blip on the radar. There was zero self-care in my life at this time. And it was just complete survival mode. Um, and I knew that I was going to crash and burn if I didn't figure something out. And so I wish I could tell you, like I left my job and I started this business and I made a million dollars, but I think we both know that's not quite how it happened. So I tried (laughs) a lot of things, um, that, that did not work for me. Um, I tried the network marketing thing. I thought blogging was going to make me a lot of money because that was still very, very trendy at the time. And I did not understand that the people making money with blogging, like had a business behind it. Like that, I didn't study business in school, by the way. Like I studied political science. Like I didn't study marketing. I didn't study business. Like I didn't, this whole world was very new to me. Um, and so it was just grasping at straws, frankly. And uh, I ended up seeing a webinar one day that was talking about um, like starting a social media agency, basically, or social media, being a social media manager. And I was kind of like, well, I do that like I do that at my job. Like I do that for the school that I work at. And I had done it for all the magazines that I had worked at. I'm like, people pay people money to do that. Like it's one of those situations. We don't know what we don't know. And, and until I watched that webinar, it never occurred to me that that was something that you could like go start a business doing. Like I just, for better or for worse, like I was very ignorant to that whole space. I had heard of freelancers uh, and a lot of my students maybe have heard of like freelance photographers or a freelance copywriter, but like until you, your eyes are kind of opened up to what's possible online, there's so much that you just don't know till you, until you know it. And so when I saw that 
that was what I latched onto. I'm like, I can do that. I'm already being paid to do that. Uh, and so this would have been the summer of 2000, either 2014, like end of 2014, basically. Um, and so that became my new side hustle. I traded in the wedding planning and the nights and the weekends. And um, I started doing the social media management. And that was that was the beginning of, of where it has grown into today. Uh, so many good nuggets in there. Okay. So a couple things I want to acknowledge. First, I had to laugh when you did the big sunglasses thing because you literally pulled out a pair of big sunglasses. <laughs> People couldn't see that because they're listening I to this. I keep was... them... Yeah. You never know yeah. when you need to have a good cry. There There's you... no shame in that. You never know when you need... Yeah. Big sunglasses. I mean, they can hide bad skin. Like, it doesn't matter. You're tired. I love a good pair of big sunglasses. And they were really big, you guys. I know you can't see them, but they were really yep. big. Um, okay. The other things I Half heard in there... <laughs> It's like, okay, so much of what you said resonates so much. It's like, especially us being high achievers, like that being how we're wired. Yeah. You, you get a husband, you, okay. Also we're both like, I, I'm from the Midwest. I was domesticated in California, but like the Midwestern values <laughs> like run strong. And like my mom stayed yeah. at home with me too, who's from Iowa. So I feel like there's that Midwestern conditioning and expectation of like how it means to show up as a wife, especially if your mom was home with you, right? Like doing all the things around the house. So then, you know, you've got the husband, you've got the kids, you've got the housework, you've got your job and you feel like you're not excelling in any field or any of those areas. And I, I feel like for anyone, but especially people like us that are type A, high achieving types, like if you don't recognize that and do something to shift it and retake control and create your own destiny, that is just a recipe, in my opinion, for this downward spiral into depression. That's a really personal question. But did you ever feel like you were about to like fall into a pit of depression and need to climb out? Or did you nip it in the bud before it got to that point? Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm being really honest. Um, my husband and I talk about this sometimes because I... I literally like the tagline of my business is like helping like living a totally awesome guilt-free life. Like that's what we're all about. Um, but I would say the guilt that I still have maybe not done the work to go back and reconcile is from those first few years of my son's life. And my husband and I joke about it all the time about how, if we did not have pictures of that time, um, we do not have actual memories. So I think, I don't know that I identified at the time as, as feeling depressed. Um, I know I was overwhelmed I know that it was overwhelm is the word that I feel. Um, I, you know, I, I did not seek help at that time because I think I was so, it was like the, the hamster wheel, like the groundhog's day. Like I was so in survival mode trying to be what I had to be for everybody else that I don't think I even still to this day have an awareness of my actual feelings during mm. those years, seriously. I mean, it's yeah. almost a little scary, um, but I really don't because I was just trying to keep my head above water. Yeah. Um, that I, 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 I genuinely don't think I can answer that. And, and yeah. um, I've had experiences with that in my life um, and, and the feelings are very, very different. I had, you know, some depression later in high school, I went through some pretty grown up things, um, at a young age and, uh, did, did seek counseling for that. I don't remember this stage of my life feeling that way. Um, but that's how I remember it is just trying to keep my head above water, trying not to let anyone down, 
except my husband. <laughs> he just, he suffered, <laughs> poor guy. But like, you know, it was like not losing my job and like not disappointing anybody at work and like keeping my kids alive. And I just, I was very much in survival mode. I, I honestly could not tell you if I was depressed or not. I have no idea. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I resonate with a lot of that too, where you're just so busy that it's like, you can't even think about getting help or talking to someone about it or yeah. even like even diving into what you're feeling because you don't, you don't have time to like process and deal with it. So right. I hope that like yeah, those listening that are that, in that place, like that this gives them some hope. Sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? Yeah. And well, I was just going to say on that note, like there very much could have been a part of me subconsciously staying that busy to not have to acknowledge how unhappy mm-hmm. that I was, you yeah. know, um, that's, some, that's some of the work I've gotten the pleasure of doing these last couple of years, you know, when the pandemics, I mean, this is a big flash forward, but when the pandemic started and like all of a sudden the, you know, the day to day of the, get the kids to school and pick up the kids from school and working in between. And at this point in my life, I'm able to do things like have coffee with friends and go to the gym. And, but it was still very much like, go, go, go. Um, not busy, unnecessarily, but a very full schedule is how I liked to keep it. And when the pandemic hit, um, that kind of stopped. And I have done a lot of uh, work the last, you know, year and a half, two years, because like, right when we all stayed home and had to learn, you know, remote learning and all of these different things, like all of a sudden, I think I could finally hear myself. Like I had to sit with myself. I could hear my inner thoughts. I could, I could, sense feelings that I've been probably pushing down for my life, my whole life. And it was like, all of a sudden at the very beginning of the pandemic, they all started rumbling to the surface and it was like, okay, well, we're not getting these back down. So I guess it's time to deal with some of these things. Um, (laughs) And what's interesting (laughs) is that so far, none of them have been from that time period. And, and I, I don't know, I almost, my best analogy really, Alicia is like, it's, it's like when you have labor, like you, you birth a child and it's like, you forget a little bit how horrible it was so that you continue to procreate. Like, that's how I feel about this time in my life where I'm like, I think I blacked out. I have no idea what happened because <laughs> I just was trying to survive and make it the day. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> It was hard. It was really hard. It was really hard. But you came out the other side and now have created this amazing business that has also blessed thousands upon thousands of women and their families. So, so shifting gears a little bit, I, I would love yeah. to just talk about the mental health all day. Cause I'm so passionate about that. And we yeah. have so much in common, <laughs> but shifting back to the business piece a little bit. So you started this company in 2015. Well, so I started my freelancing journey. I'm kind of a big, like you can't walk someone across a bridge. You haven't walked across kind of yes. person. Um, yes. and, and I'm not going to lie. Like I didn't have this big mission of like, I'm going to go out there and save all the moms. Like that What like I was so, I mean, like you said, I, I could barely see the tip of my nose, you know? So I was still very much in survival mode. So for me, my, my big driver was like, I have to get out of my job. Like I have to make this freelancing thing, this social media management thing. Like I have to get out of my job. So I can be home with my kids. So for the first two years, that was it. That's what I was doing. Um, And I made a lot of mistakes as we all do. Again, I think I was grateful for that early example I gave, you know, with TFA about failing because it really changed my relationship with failure. It's not, you're a failure. It's not, you know, and and it's not, oh my gosh, you're a failure, like give up. It's like, these are all opportunities to learn it's opportunities to like do better next time. It's opportunities to reflect on 
who you really are and what you really want. And that's, that's really, I kind of take that all in stride now. So I'm actually, you know, I'm very grateful when things don't all work out because I think those are the greatest lessons that we get in life. Um, but so for two years, it was, it was about me. It was, I got to quit my job. Um, my sort of like claim to fame at the time was that I replaced my previous income working like really less than 50% of the hours I had been working at my job, which was great. Um, doing the social media management. Um, and it was life-changing in really small ways at the time, right? Cause it wasn't, I didn't, really have an impact on other people. It started with having an impact on my family. So like being able to take my kids to the zoo on a Wednesday, like that, that's the example I always give because I just remember at the time how life-changing that was Mm, for us. You know, like I didn't see my kids during the week. And if we ever did go do something, it was on a Saturday when everybody was there and it was busy and stressful and whatever. And I just remember like those first few times we got like a annual pass and we'd go like every Wednesday and there was like no one there and we could just like take our time and I could actually really enjoy my family. And it seems, or it may to some seem, you know, kind of insignificant when you talk about, oh, you have a seven figure business, but like that to me, it it was life changing, life changing. Um, and so those were really the first changes that had to happen. Um, but after a few years of that, and again, there's a whole lot of up and down and in between here too, (laughs) but after a flash forward, a couple of years, um, I got this very kind of heavy calling on my heart that like, what if, what if none of this was about you? Like, what if this wasn't for you? What if you were supposed to go and figure this out because you're supposed to show other moms that they can do it too? Mm. Um, And it was kind of this little voice and it got louder and louder and louder over time. And I would say for about nine months, I was like, I am not doing that. Like I, who the heck am I? Um, I, my very, I had two really, really big, fears around it or limiting beliefs or whatever. The first was that other people were already doing it. And I don't know if this is because we are super special millennial snowflakes, but I just remember looking on the internet at like, you know, boss mom and some of these brands that had been established like a few years before. And of course we're all different. Our personalities are different. Our messages are not identical, but my mind didn't think that way at the time. My mind was like, there's already a business talking to moms about working from home. So who the heck am I? I'm already behind. Why bother? Like it's never going to work. Like that was one thought process. And my other thought process, and this one was actually harder to get over was I was absolutely terrified about what other people were going to think about me. I mean, Mm. terrified and not strangers. I mean, people like you, (laughs) people from college or people from high school, like what are these people like, you know, maybe they know me from some part of my life. And of course with social media, like we're all kind of still interconnected. Like, what's my mom going to think? What are my best friends going to think? Like, I knew Justin was really supportive, but I'm like, what about his family? Like, I just, the idea of having to show up and be vulnerable and talk about my life or my business or anything, like it was paralyzing for Mm. a very long time. Um, And the thing that finally pushed me over that was actually, I hired my first business coach. Um, And that was kind of when that calling got so loud, I couldn't ignore it. And I remember my very first call with her, it was like, you know, a two hour call, we're going through all this stuff, like, you know, what are you trying to do? And what are you just all this stuff. And I remember towards the end of the two hours, she was like, what is the reason that you are not going to be successful? And I just, I I remember where I was. We still lived in Texas at the time. I remember where I was at my desk and I like sat back and I was like, I'm not going to succeed because I'm going to care too much about what other people think about me. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do the things you tell me to do. She was like, cool. Now that we know that, let's go ahead and not do that. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, (laughs) and I wish it like, it almost was that easy in terms of 
it was a decision, right? Yeah. It was like, I had to decide, do I care more about the thing I'm trying to do? Do I care more about what I think about myself or, yeah. or do I really care that much about what these people that I'm, you know, either in touch with or not in touch with on the internet? Do I, do I care more about their opinion of me? Yeah. And I had to decide. And that's kind of what she was telling me in that moment of like, which are you going to choose? Um, and I'm not going to say it was easy moving forward, but I had decided. So I was committed, right? Like yeah. my commitment level changed in that moment. And it was like, now it's go time. And this was September of 2017, uh, which is when I can set, like we celebrate the anniversary. So this was a little over four years ago. Um, and some days it's hard and some days it's not hard, but I will say from that moment when I kind of decided not to let the excuses stop me, I, I, I truly never looked back from that moment. This saying comes up a lot on this show and that it's, you decided you decided, and then you burned the ships. Have you ever heard that saying before? Yeah. Oh, you got to burn the boat. Oh, you got to yeah. burn the boats behind. It is yeah. always, always, yeah, something. So I just hosted a virtual event last week and we talked about that too, but it's also, you know, it's this idea that something that I think either entrepreneurs or people who are self-employed or people who are successful, however you want to define that, because there's a lot of different ways to play this game, in my opinion. Um, but those people are the ones who are willing to do something really hard now to have an easier life. But yeah. we are the weirdos because most people are always looking for the easy now. Like they want, they want their life to feel easy moment by moment, but those are the people that end up having a really hard life. You know, yes. they, they don't have as much freedom. They don't have the flexibility. They don't have the money in the bank. They don't have these things They're They have to go sit in a chair from nine to five, you know, because they want that comfort, that easy. Um, and I think what I was really deciding in that moment was that I'm going to choose the hard, the hard thing. I'm going to yeah. choose to do the hard, uncomfortable thing because it is going to make my life easier. And you absolutely, you either, you better burn the boats and you better light a fire. You know, if I would not have given that person tens of thousands of dollars, I could have said those words, but no, it was, I was not going to be accountable to it, you <laughs> right. know, but to go, okay, listen, like failure is not an option because I quite literally have no choice but to make this work. So that was my burning of the boat was to give somebody a bunch of money I didn't have. Because <laughs> then it was like, okay, well, now I got to go make this money back because I don't want to take that away from my family and be in debt for forever. So it was terrifying. It was terrifying. But it was so, for me personally, it was so necessary to yeah. get off, you know, the starting block. I, yes, I couldn't agree more, even though like, it's not, is it pragmatic to do that when you maybe quote unquote can't afford it? Like, no, but it lights a fire under your ass that makes you get it done. <laughs> you you got to have Again, plenty of skin your, in the game. What's your, what's your risk? Yeah. Well, what's your, you know, what's your, what's your risk level? Cause by right. this time, remember I had already proven, I proved, okay, you can start a business. Okay. You can quit your job. Okay. You can move cross country yeah. away from your fit. So my risk tolerance had increased by this point. It was still, the, uh, to this day, I think that was the scariest decision I've ever made um, yeah. was to hire my first business coach. It was terrifying. Um, I Partially terrifying because of the money, but I think really what was terrifying about it is I knew it meant there was no turning back. Yes. You know, what was terrifying yes. was the burning of the boat. So however yep. you can do that, whether it's, you know, quitting the safe job or, you know, whatever version of that. And I think we go round and round, right? I think with every, one of my favorite sayings is new level, new devil, right? It's like every time yes. you go around, you've got something else that you've got to, you know, you have something else you have to conquer. And, uh, 
again, you have to choose the hard now because it'll be easy later, but, and it does get easier. I will say that to anybody listening, it gets, it's still hard. You will still have fears. You will still have, you know, things that feel challenging. Um, but the idea of running into the thing that scares you gets a lot easier. I think, especially because you, you build up that muscle of belief in yourself to where you're ready to run through a wall because you know that you can do it. So I wanted to touch on one thing too. So talking about, you know, caring what people think, there are so many people that I meet that get held back by this. And I recently found out why that Mm -hmm. is. Do you know, um, about the middle layer of the brain, the limbic system? It's like the emotional brain. No. Okay. So evolutionarily, if we got kicked out of the tribe, we would die, right? Because you'd, you know, go into the wilderness or whatever, and you wouldn't be able to survive. That is why. That's so sad. (laughs) I know, right? I mean, it it served a great purpose, but now it doesn't anymore. Like criticism, judgment, rejection will not kill you anymore, but it it does kill a lot of dreams because people are more terrified of that than the thing. So that is why if you are a person so doing this and you care what people think, that is why. So you just got to kick it. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just that, but I, I have not heard that. I love that. To piggyback, I have heard about our brain being super primal, right? Like it, it has not evolved the same way maybe our external society has. Yes. Um, and so fears in general, like that is a perceived threat the same way a bear would have been a perceived threat. Yes. And so that's why the brain kicks into like all these limiting beliefs and whatever, because it's going, no, 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 no. Don't go do that Facebook live. Don't go start that podcast. Don't go, don't go start that business. Don't go do that. Hire that part. Like, don't go do that scary thing. Cause like we were comfortable and safe and that thing does not make us feel that way. So it is a bear about to eat you, but it's not right. Like, right. Like you said, it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. not an actual threat the same way the threats used to be way back in the day, but our brain just does not know how to decipher the difference. And so yeah. I don't know, I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, personal development type things about like, it's not about, and and I will say this just from my own experience. Like even once I started doing stuff, it's not that I wasn't scared. Like I was terrified. I just did it anyway, you know? And so it's like, right. thank you for your very much. Like, I appreciate you. It is not a bear. It's just a Facebook live. Like I'm going to be okay. I like, I appreciate you. Thank you for your acknowledgement. And like, I'm going to go do it and I'm going to be fine. Um, and then we start to build that muscle, like you said, right. Yeah. Where there's, then there's this like cognitive recognition of like, okay, Facebook live is not a threat. Like I'm good. I can go do this thing, but, uh, yeah. it is, it's a fascinating. And this is why I think that that business and personal development go hand in hand. Like you cannot start a business and not get into some of the mindset stuff. It's just, I don't know anybody who's been able to do that. Oh, I totally agree. Like if you're not willing to do the work and unearth all the crap that's holding you back and unlock those next levels and the next devils that come with them, like you're going to only be able to go so far. So you, you brought this up. You didn't say the word, but you said, who am I to do, you know, whatever it might be. So do you still have imposter syndrome creep up or are you pretty much past that at this stage of the game? No, 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 no. I still do. Although I heard Tony (laughs) Robbins speak in person a few months ago and he said, Tony, or he said, Tony Robbins said imposter syndrome is BS. So I'm trying not to use that word. Um, I've also done some interesting research. Brene Brown uh, had an article slash interview that came out recently about imposter syndrome. Um, And I really am starting, I think, to change my belief that it Mm. is a phrase that is keeping women small. So I'm trying not to use the phrase. With that being said, 
it's fear. That's what we're really talking about. We're just yeah. like fear, you know, it's that not enoughness, right? Yes. And I think that's a very human thing. Um, but I absolutely still have it. I mean, as recently as a few weeks ago, I got to Boise. I got to go to Boise. I know you saw some of those pictures. Uh, I'm in Russell Brunson, who is one of the co-founders of ClickFunnels. I'm in his inner circle. And even just stepping into that room with 150 people and some of, you know, it's like, oh, but they've made, you know, 50 million and I've made 5 million. And are we like, Ugh. like, it's, it's very easy if you let it start to slip up, but kind of like any other fear, it's like you, you say, thank you. And you're like, actually, I am worthy of being in this room. I qualified, I interviewed, I paid, like I I'm deserving of being here. Yeah. I deserve a seat at the table. And so I think, yes, it does still slip up for me. Um, I just, I am equipped now with so many more tools and so much more support uh, to navigate all different kinds of scenarios than I was three, four, five, six, seven, 20 years ago, you know? Um, And so it makes it easier to, to work through, right? And so that's actually something I talk about, you know, with my students, it was my own experience. It's like when things go wrong, when there's something upsetting or you have a fear or like, someone leaves you a really bad review on your podcast or, you know, cause people are mean and especially behind screens, everybody feels like they can do whatever they want and treat people however they want. And it's gross and it happens yeah. and it's happened to me. And I just remember this was actually, um, advice I got from my very first business coach. Her name's Liz Benny. She's amazing. Um, but I've very much taken it to heart and I draw on it often is it's like, it's about reactioning that, that, or shortening the reaction time. So like the first time someone was really mean to me on the internet, like I was in bed crying for like two hours. I wish I could tell you that I'm exaggerating, but I, I, it was that painful, you know, and it hurt and I didn't know what to do. And it's like, is it worth it? Do I stop? Like it, it, which now to me sounds very dramatic, but that's where I was at, you know? And now it's like, it still happens. It probably happens more because my presence is more. Um, but my reaction time is, you know, maybe it's two minutes, maybe it's two seconds, you know, maybe if it really, really hurts, it's two hours, but, or yeah, but it's not, it's not going on for like days and weeks and whatever of like, you know, stressing me out the way maybe things would have previously. So it's like, how do we shorten that response time? So for example, in Boise, like it was a thought and then I Mm. push it aside, you know, it wasn't like I sat there for two days, like, oh my God, you know? And so I think that, and again, it's, I I love your analogy with the muscle. Like, I think that's mindset work in general, right? It's like, it's just like going to the gym. It's not like you go and you run and you get skinny and then you're like, cool, I'm healthy. Like I'm done. I'm done here. I'm not going back. Like, no, you have to keep going. Like you have to keep eating well and exercising, whatever, if you want to maintain that fitness. And I think it's the same with your mindset. Like you have to invest in personal development and surrounding yourself with positive people and a coach or a mentor or a therapist or whatever that looks like. And you have to keep, you have to keep doing that if you want to keep getting the results that you, that you, you know, um, get from, from that activity. It's ongoing work. Totally agree. And I just want to acknowledge You didn't say it quite this way, but there's a tool that uh, Dr. Valerie Rain, who wrote Patriarchy Stress Disorder, talks about, and it's the triple A. First, if you have a thought like this, you acknowledge it. You don't just try to like suppress it. You allow it because what you resist, resist persists. And then you appreciate it. Like, oh, thank you for, you know, having that thought come up. I know that you're trying to protect me, but I'm safe. I'm okay. And then you move on with your day. Or yeah. a, 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 rather than just being yeah. hijacked by it. So I wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah. 
I love that. And that also reminds me kind of that appreciation idea, um, another cliche, but I think they all, they become cliches for a reason, right? They, it, there's truths to them. Um, but this idea of, you know, things not happening to you, but happening for you, you know, and, and it's, and I think, again, it kind of ties back to what is your relationship with failure? And, um, I know for my students, like, yes, some of them have, they have fears of success too. That's also very much a real thing. Mm -hmm. And I have my own versions of that too, but I think a lot of them, a lot of them just starting their biggest fears at the root is there's this fear of failure. And then really we could unpack underneath that. But I think it's what does failure mean to you, right? And I think when we change our relationship with failure and what we think that means and disconnect it from ourselves, like who we are innately as human beings, and we can look at, you know, all this junk that otherwise we could be a victim or this didn't go my way or whatever. And it's like, it's stepping back and like what I actively say to myself when stuff doesn't work is like, what am I supposed to learn right now? Like if my family life is not great or like something's happening with a team member or a launch doesn't go well or whatever the thing is, it's like what, like I step back and I'm like, I look around, I'm like, what am I supposed to be learning here? There's something, there's a lesson in this that will take me to the next level. And that's something else that I've tried to shorten the reaction speed of, right? It's like, let's not wait a year for that to, you can't force it, but it's like, let's not wait a year to learn that lesson. Let's, let's have a very strong awareness and be self-aware so that we can grab it, do the work and then put it into use. And that's what's going to you know, catapult you to the next level. I love that we're having this exact conversation because this has been a theme that's coming up for me all the time. Like, and, and now actually when like things kind of go off the rails or don't go how I hope they would, I, I almost get a little excited because I'm like, ooh, what am I going to learn? How am I going to grow? Oh, I like, do that too. Yeah. <laughs> people will probably think that seems so that crazy, too. but yeah, that no. is very validating no, to I me. totally get it. <laughs> so yeah, I wanna, that's awesome. And like I, I was saying with risk tolerance, it like you also become like a risk junkie a little. Like yeah. I just know for me, like I used to be the girl, I wanted to go to the same restaurant. I'd order the same thing. I know what I like. I'd want to take a vacation to the same place all the time, you know, like I love, and I'm very type A. So I think, I don't know, I love routine. I love schedule. Um, but through this whole entrepreneur journey, like I've also become a little bit of like, not adventure. Like I need to go jump out of an airplane, but like, (laughs) I love newness. I want to try ever. Like I just, I'm addicted to new experiences, you know, like I want to meet new people and I want to travel new places and I want to try new things. And I want to challenge myself. Like, you know, even my husband and I have date night Saturday and I'm like, do you want to go to like an excellent place or like go do this really thing? And like, normally it would have been like dinner in a movie, you know, like Mm -hmm. super vanilla, like dinner in a movie. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, I just think it shows that we are very capable of evolving as people if we're open to it, you know? Um, And so that's been kind of a fun byproduct for me personally of entrepreneurship. And my husband loves it because he has always been super spontaneous. And I've always been like, no regimen. And now I'm like, it's whatever. We're fine. (laughs) So it's loosened me up a little bit with all my type A uh, perfectionistic tendencies. It's good. I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, I'm not as far into the journey as you are, but I'm already noticing that. And it's it's invigorating, quite frankly. So I want to ask you, yeah. so you've invested in coaches. You talked about your first one being pretty yeah. pricey. I hear people all the time say, well, you know, I'd love to do that, but I can't afford it. Or, oh, I would love to do that, but I need to ask my husband. What do you say to the person mm-hmm. who is 
asking for permission. I, some, I understand <laughs> sometimes depending on the price tag, maybe you want to do that to not have a major rift, but like, what would you say to that listener? Um, I would say you're asking the wrong questions. And if you ask the wrong questions, you get the wrong answers. Mm. So, and you know, if you're just saying like, well, I can't do that. You need to be asking the question, how can I do that? Yeah. You know, is there someone you can borrow money from? Is there a side hustle you can pick up so you can afford it? Um, there's a really big difference. And we talk about this in our community a lot, especially serving women. There's a really big difference between grace and excuses. You know, grace is what you are deserving of because you are an imperfect human and life is hard. Excuses is the stuff you spew so that you stay small. And those are not the same thing. And so I think you've got to ask better questions and it's how can I, you know, is there an old piece of furniture in your basement that you can sell? Is there, are you willing, again, what's your risk tolerance? Are you, are you willing? I mean, you are your greatest asset, period. So if you're not willing to bet on yourself, that's, you know, we got to do some work there first. And I think that was what I did have going for me in 2017, even though I had a lot of stuff I had to work on. Like I knew my audience, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I was passionate about it. And even though I didn't have proof that I could do it or be successful, I had belief that I am someone who is capable of doing it, which is why my investment was in a coach who could answer all of the, how do you do, you know, all the how to's and what's the path and, you know, supporting me through that whole thing. So I'm really big. And I still, I mean, to this day, I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is very hard to say out loud, um, on, on coaches and masterminds, but I've also made millions of dollars. And so, you know, would I do that again? Yeah. Cause I was making, tens of thousands of dollars a year and living paycheck to paycheck. And that's hard. So again, do you yeah. want easy, but like a life of hard or do you want to choose something hard? So that's my first yeah. thing is just make sure you're asking the right questions. And instead of just, well, I can't do that or I can't do that. It's how can I do that? And you might have to think creatively and it's not going to be easy, um, but there's always options. And so I always say like, look for the proof. Like, first of all, what do you actually want? Like, let's get clear on designing what actually are your goals and what you want your life to look like, but then find the proof of that model. And it's out there, it exists, you know? Um, and so find the proof of that model. And then if you can, or, and you're willing to, and you can figure out the how, you know, that's when you, when you make those commitments to work with those people, because you're going to get there a lot faster. You know, again, one of my complexes as a millennial is we were told we were special and we all got participation trophies. And it's like, the more I've been in business, it's like, don't reinvent the wheel. Like, why would you reinvent the wheel? Why would you try to make things harder than they have to be? Like, there's already paths for this. Like, take take the path of least resistance. Yes. Um, as far as the spouse stuff, I might not be the best person to ask because <laughs> I <laughs> love my spouse. But uh, the very first online course that I bought, the one about like becoming a social media manager, I did not tell my husband. It was $1,000, which now to me... Um, means something very different than I did when I was in my mid twenties and had kids yeah. and a job that I, you know, that was, that was a big deal to do that. Yeah. Um, and that was not cash we had available. I mean, I put that on the credit card. Um, and I did not tell my husband until I paid it off. If I'm just being honest about the story. <laughs> um, but for me, that was another like boat burning moment, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, I did this thing now. And so now I have to like, I have to back it up with action. And I knew that if I did that, um, 
that I would have his support because I would have already put in the work. And I think this is sometimes a disconnect because it's a question I get from a lot of my students too, is like, well, my spouse doesn't believe in me. And I'm like, cool, are you successful yet? And they're like, well, I haven't started. And I'm like, that's why they don't believe in you. It's not because they don't love you. It's not because they don't think you're capable. It's because they don't have the same thought process and emotional gravitation to what you're doing that you do. And you're placing that expectation on them. But you know when they will be on board? When you have money coming in. So go do the thing and then they're going to believe in you, you know? Now, again, I'm like, yes, making decisions as a spouse, these are very healthy things. But that is how I got started. That I mean, that's just me being honest. That's that's what I did. And um, now that we both are business owners, we we do talk about the transactions that we make. Uh, we do not always agree still to this day on those things, uh, but we run them through our businesses. And I think we both just have a mutual respect and understanding that we trust each other to make the best decisions for both ourselves and our companies. And that's, I, we do not always agree on, yeah. on those things though, um, but it's not a source of conflict either. And I, I think what you said too, is that it's going through businesses. So like worst case you invest in yourself and you have some write-offs, right? Which is not tax advice. We talk to your CPA. Um, <laughs> so this is a good note to end on. So we're talking about investing in yourself, investing in coaching programs and ways to level up. So you have a self-paced program, but you also have a mastermind for motivated mamas. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I do. So I'm, I, we have, I, I teach something called the freedom framework. Uh, we have it inside of a course curriculum online that, that you can access if you want to learn how to quit your job and start freelancing from home. Uh, it sets you up in a variety of niches. So while my background was social media management, a lot of people in our community start as virtual assistants because it's such low hanging fruit. Like I always joke, like if you know how to keep a kid alive, even if you've been home for 10 years, like you know how to make doctor's appointments and check your emails and you've got on this webinar, like you have the basic skills needed to get started. So the barrier for entry for freelancing is really tremendously low. And then there's so many different ways that you can go uh, in between. But I know that there is a huge difference. And this is something we've talked about in my community a lot this year. There's a big difference between information and implementation. And information uh, not being applied is not going to help you reach your goals. So we we created... Uh, kind of a membership slash coaching program. Uh, It's called the Free Mama Squad. And that is really how we help people. We hold them accountable. We have coaching calls. Uh, We do a lot of personal development because as we've heard today, that goes pretty hand in hand. So we do like a book club and all kinds of really cool stuff. Uh, And it's awesome. Uh, We've always got, you know, hundreds of women going through that program at a time. And uh, just this past weekend, actually, we got to do, uh, we call it the Free the Mamas Awards Ceremony. Um, We've got several six-figure earners. I think we had seven last year and somewhere maybe like a dozen this year. Um, and I actually just heard from one of my students that we now have to create a million dollar free mama award because next mm. month she will hit a million dollars in revenue. So that's amazing. So awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I have higher end masterminds too. Yeah. So people who want to take their skills, they've got their businesses going and then they're, they want to go from that one-to-one service provider to a one-to-many model through like productization, um, adding in a different revenue streams through like affiliate marketing, things like that. Uh, we have programs that are, that we're able to support women with that growth as well. So, Oh, this was so fun and wonderful reconnecting with you. It's, isn't it wild how like so much time can pass and then you reconnect and it's like, Oh my gosh, we have so much in common. And I totally feel like I'm following in your footsteps and just so inspired by you. And, um, yeah, this has just been great. I can't wait for the mini episode we're recording right after this too. So make sure y'all come back 
tomorrow for that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so proud of you. I I do know the steps that it takes to grow in business. And for anybody listening, who's just wanting to get started, maybe you are just now having that, that thought of like, okay, I've got to get out of my job. Or maybe you're one of the millions of women that was forced out of the workforce in the last year or so. Um, just know that myself, Alicia, like we have not done anything that you can't do too. And the only thing that's going to stop you from having anything that you want in life is yourself. So start with that personal work uh, and you can do really, really amazing things. So, and Lauren, what's the best way for folks to connect with you? Is it Instagram website? Uh, I'll put everything in the show notes, but any place that you prefer? Yeah. I'm old. Like we talked about, I'm an old lady from Kansas. No, Um, our (laughs) Facebook group. I am huge on community. Yeah. I'm huge on community. So we have an amazing Facebook group. It is super engaged and active. I'm everywhere. You can follow me. You can send me a DM on Instagram. Um, we also have uh, free mama TV as our YouTube channel. So if you need just some quick tutorials, how to get started, and then we have free mama radio, uh, podcast as well. So wherever you're hanging out, you can probably come find us. Just look for Lauren golden free mama. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, And be sure to come back tomorrow for a mini episode. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Did you know we're in the midst of the great resignation? 4.3 million Americans left their jobs in August without seeking a new one. If you want to become a corporate dropout like me, but you need help creating an exit plan, I can help. Whether you need corporate exit coaching, business coaching, or you're seeking help to step into the best version of yourself, I'd love to connect with you. Listeners of the Corporate Dropout Podcast can book a complimentary discovery call with me. Visit alasiacitro.com slash dropout. That's A-L-E-S-S-I-A-C-I-T-R-O dot com slash dropout to book your free coaching call today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If today's episode added value to your life in some way, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share it with someone who needs this. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and hear how the show has inspired you. So tag me or slide into the DMs. Find me at Corporate Dropout Official or Alessia Citro. That's A-L-E-S-S-I-A-C-I-T-R-O and two underscores. Until next time, remember that you're a badass Stay focused, stay hungry, and dare to drop out.